Andrew Womack Ministries presents this message titled, Seek First the Kingdom. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. How they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the tomorrow, for the tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Also, let's look in First Timothy chapter 6. And you remember what we just read out of um, Matthew chapter 6. And in First Timothy chapter 6, well, let's start reading with verse 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strife of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now you put these two scriptures together, Matthew chapter 6 is telling us not to take any thought about the things that we will eat or about the things that we're clothed with or any of the details about how this life is going to be supplied. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, the scripture there is saying that we didn't bring anything into this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out. And notice this statement. Over here, 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is the one I was thinking of a minute ago. Verse 8, And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Did you know there are very few Christians, especially spirit-filled Christians, especially word-taught spirit-filled Christians that are content to have food and raiment? Do you know that? Now, am I telling you that you're supposed to be poor? No, I'm not telling you that. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite, that if you will not take thought for those things and seek first the kingdom of God, you will be rich. He will add these other things unto you. But somehow or another, in the teaching on prosperity and the fact that we can have it, we've actually created a lust many times in people for things rather than for God. And many times Satan uses this to get our t attention diverted from God onto the things that God can produce. And because of it, Satan has diverted our attention away from God, the author and the finisher of our faith. And there's a lot of you that are depressed. There's a lot of you that are discouraged. And the reason is because you've lusted after things. You don't see things come to pass. And so therefore your faith is shaken. If your faith is truly in Jesus, you won't be shaken. You won't be discouraged. You won't be depressed because, brothers and sisters, he's going to be consistent. I don't care if this whole world uh, just bombs out, amen, if nobody has anything. I don't care if you have if you have all the gifts that you want, if you were able to go buy the $500,000 house that you wanted for Christmas or whatever, Jesus is going to be consistent. People come all the time and say, Brother, I haven't got this, and they're discouraged. Well, they never come and say, God died. Amen. 
If God's still alive and if our trust is truly in God and if our attention is focused on God, you should be able to shout with the best of them all the way to poor farm if you had to. Amen. Am I telling you that you're supposed to be poor? No, but I'm saying if you're bummed out over finances, it's because your attention isn't truly upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. If you're discouraged over things that you can see that you haven't got or something like that, that ought to be a manifest token, brothers and sisters, that we've got our attention off of where it's supposed to be. I believe in prosperity. I believe that we're supposed to have things. But brothers and sisters, the way you get them isn't by seeking things. Matthew chapter 6 says that it's by seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. You know, over here in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it makes some statements, and it says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Being rich is not evil. Being rich is not sin. Amen? It's a blessing because you can bless other people. It's a blessing of God. And you'll find out the people that serve God. Abraham, well, he was rich. So rich that entire nations cast him out from their presence. Saying the land isn't big enough to bear all of us. Leave us. That's a blessing, isn't it? Isaac sowed in a year of famine and received a hundredfold and they kicked him out of the land because he was so prosperous. The Egyptians oppressed the Jews because the Jews were so prosperous they said that they're, they're multiplying, they've become greater than us. And on and on you can go. Brothers and sisters, God prospers the people that he loves. Psalms 35:27 says, Let God be magnified which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. I believe in that, amen. But that does not change the fact that if you are rich, it opens you up to many temptations that you don't have if you aren't rich. You have more temptations placed upon you. Foolish and hurtful lust which drown men in perdition. Now, how many times do you hear that preached on in the prosperity message? Everybody talks about all the benefits, and there are benefits of having money, amen. There are disadvantages to not having money. But, brothers and sisters, you need to realize that with prosperity and with finances comes temptation, comes foolish and hurtful lust, and you have to day and night reaffirm that you are not seeking the things that God produces, but instead you're seeking God. And because of it, you are going to have an abundance of things that He produces. But you always have to keep that fine line there and make sure that your attention is always upon the supplier rather than upon the supplier that comes. And that's what he's ministering out of Matthew chapter 6. And did you know, I, I had no idea of saying any of these things. You can take this as prophecy if you'd want today. This is God speaking to this group. I don't know anything about this group. And I'm not criticizing the message that's been spoken because I know that when I minister, I say a lot of things that I know are ordered of God and you would be surprised the way people take them sometimes. And the things that I'm quoted as saying and the way that people take it, and I no more said it than anything. So I'm not criticizing the message that's gone forth in this place, but I do know that God is ministering to people in this place today that have taken the prosperity and the things that God can produce, and not only prosperity but healing, and instead you've gotten diverted and you've really taken your attention off of Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, and you've gotten caught up trying to believe God for something. Why don't we believe God for things? Why don't we just believe God and let the things come as a result? But I'm believing God for prosperity. I'm believing God for a new house. Why don't you just believe God? and let the new house come. It'll be added unto you. Well, brother, it'll be hindered if I don't get with it and believe God for it. Did you know you're hindering it by believing God for it? Because you're diverting your attention. You are opening yourself up to many temptations and foolish and hurtful lusts that drown man in perdition. You're actually hindering the prosperity that God desires to come upon. Did you know that Abraham, when he was so blessed that entire nations had to send him out from their presence, did you know Abraham wasn't sitting there saying, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I'm believing God for a thousand new cattle this year. Abraham hadn't been through Ramah. He couldn't have done those kind of things. <laughs> Kenneth Hagin hadn't written Mark 11:23 yet, amen. <laughs> and yet he prospered without knowing all of our great secrets. How did that guy do it? because he was totally, totally committed to God. 
Abraham was so single upon God, he sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And brothers and sisters, it came. Did you know there's a lot of people that don't know the faith message that are prosperous and that are blessed because they're seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not knocking the things that we've learned. Praise God for it. But brothers and sisters, you've got to continually remember that all of the things we've learned should point us back even that much more to Jesus. It should put us back into an attitude of seeking God with our whole heart. And you know, I honestly believe that one of the fallacies among full gospel people is that, that uh, the message of the full gospel, healing and prosperity and deliverance and joy and peace and all of these things, it attracts people who have been oppressed in the denominational system all of this time and that were that made a commitment of their life to the Lord, but they didn't know that they could have joy and that they, they thought God was one putting sickness on them. They thought God was one that wanted them to be poor. The poorer you were, the happier you were. That's not what we're saying, amen. That's not what the Word of God says. So there's been a real lack of teaching about the full gospel. And so as we begin to proclaim this, boy, it draws people. Many of you came out of an old religious system and you've got into this, and you have just, in effect, chucked everything that you ever knew before, and you've got into this. Well, now, to a degree, that needs to be done, because there is a lot of things that was taught us that was wrong. But did you know there were some basic things that we learned that were good? And there were some basic things that a denominational system teaches that most full gospel people don't teach, such as commitment. You know why a denomination or religious system teaches commitment? Because if you believe God's the one that's putting your problems on you, and God's the one that killed your child to make, teach you something, and God's the one that's made you poor and all of these kind of things, it takes a lot of commitment to serve a God like that. Did you know it? It does. They have to preach a lot of commitment to keep anybody in their church. So they emphasize serving God, serving Him through the hot and through the cold and through the sickness and praise God anyway. But did you know most full gospel people, we know that God doesn't put the sickness on us. We know that God's not the source of our problem. And so we present the goal and the things that God has available for us. And many times that attracts people who are in such need of finances, healing, deliverance, or whatever it is, that they come into it because of the benefits. And if they aren't careful, they will serve God because of the benefits of salvation. And if they aren't careful, they'll get to where those benefits actually become the motivating factor. The reason they study the Word because, man, I've got to have a new house. I've got to have a new car. I've got some needs. And if I don't study the Word of God, I'm not going to get them. Oh, brothers and sisters, if you're doing that, you are opening yourself up to many, many problems. People say, i got to study the Word of God because I'm going to die if I don't. Well, if you're dying, you're dumb if you don't get in the Word of God. Amen. I'm agreeing with the principle, but I'm saying that behind it, many people get to serving God and studying the Word and praying and fasting, not because they love God, but rather because they love healing and they want healing. They don't really care that much about God. It's just so much that God's the avenue they're convinced that healing works the best through. So they serve God to get this. They don't serve God because God is God. And did you know as a result, we got an enemy that's fighting us. And our enemy will hinder things sometimes. Sometimes things don't work perfectly. Not that that's the way it has to be, but that's the way that it is. Because we've got an enemy. None of us have learned all that we need to. And sometimes you won't see your prosperity manifest quite as quick as God would intend it to be. Sometimes you won't see your healing manifest. Not that it's not God's will to heal you, but that we've got an enemy that hinders us. And sometimes it doesn't work as smoothly as it should. And the person that has their goal on the healing instead of on Jesus is going to be tempted when they don't see the right results to chunk the whole thing. How many times I've heard people say, I tried it and it didn't work. A person like that never was committed to God. They were committed to getting healed. And when they didn't see the healing come as, long, as quick as they wanted it, then they were ready to quit because they never really made a commitment to God. They made a commitment to God's healing. There's a lot of people that made a commitment to getting prosperous, not a commitment to God. And when they don't see prosperity come the way they should, they're ready to quit serving God. 
People ready to say, well, I just don't know why God doesn't do this. And they get mad at God. They get to bad-mouthing God, complaining and speaking evil. You know why? Their commitment wasn't to God. Their commitment was to the prosperity that they thought they could get by using God. Now, I'm not saying that to say that, well, God wants you to start praying for poverty. God will bless you. But brothers and sisters, I do say this that you need to be willing to make a commitment to God that, God, if you did want me to be poor, if you wanted me to never have a penny the rest of my life, I'll serve you because you're my God, not because of what you're going to give me. God, if you were the one that put cancer on me, I know you aren't, but God, if you were, I'd serve you anyway just because you're God. One benefit that I had in my life through the religious upbringing that I had was that in 1968, I was still in a Baptist church. I didn't know come here from Sikkim about God. I thought God's the one that killed my dad at 12 years old. I thought God's the one that killed all my friends. I've been with a number of people that died while I was with them, praying for them. And I was always told, well, God, you know, wanted your dad more. He needed your dad in heaven more than we needed him. God didn't need my dad more than I needed him. I needed my dad. That's the devil that killed him. But see, I didn't know that. I thought God was the one that did all of these things. But did you know that I had a commitment and I made a commitment to God when I got born again at 8 years old and then at 18 years old? It's a long story, but March the 23rd, 1968, God intervened in my life at 12 midnight in a Baptist pastor's study and my entire life got changed. God came to me and I committed myself, just for those of you that were here this morning, I laid my life down like Moses did. Man, I gave everything over to God that I had. I yielded it to Him that if God wanted to kill me the next instant, fine. That's dumb. You know, God doesn't do those kind of things, but that's the kind of thinking I had. I made a commitment to a God that I thought did put sickness on me and that did want me to be poor and that did kick you when you're down to teach you something. I committed myself totally. I've heard people say, Brother, I'd never commit myself to a God that wouldn't heal me. I wouldn't serve a God that wouldn't prosper me. I wouldn't serve a God like that. I praise God I don't have to serve a God like that, but I would. If God's God, brothers and sisters, you need to serve God because He's God. He created you and He, you know, the factory always reserves the right of recall. Amen? <laughs> God can recall you anytime He wants to. And it's not a matter of you choosing how you want to serve God or what kind of God you want to serve. The fact is, God was there long before you were, and we are obligated to serve God for who He is. Now, praise God for the knowledge that He does heal. Praise God that all of these things shall be added unto us. Praise God we found that God is not my problem. But brothers and sisters, you need to commit yourself to God that even if He was your problem, you'd serve Him. Did you know there's people that have made conditional promises? God, I'll serve you because I know that you're going to prosper me and as long as I get this new house and this new car and as long as I stay well and as long as you bring my wife back, I'm going to serve you. You never committed yourself to God. You used Him like a grocery cart to go up and down the aisle and say, I want this and I want that and give me this and give me that. And did you know that as a result, your attention isn't on Jesus but instead upon what Jesus can produce. A quick way of evaluating where your attention is is whether or not you're up and down. Are you moved by economic problems? When you got money in the bank, are you all happy and praising God and it's easy to shout with the best of them? But when you're facing financial problems, are you just as joyful? If your joy isn't the same because of circumstances, then your joy wasn't based on Jesus, but rather upon what Jesus produces in your life. You can't say amen, say oh me. <laughs> and if you would be honest, there's a lot of people, I'd probably say the vast majority of people in here that love God with your whole heart. You weren't doing this intentionally, but yet we get over into an area where we get to spending so much time believing God for things that we quit to believe God. We quit believing God. We forget it. And as a result, we're moved by problems. We aren't content with food and raiment. Food and raiment's not enough. Man, I've got to have this TV. I've got to have this and I've got to have that. Now, brothers and sisters, those things should be added unto you. I'm not saying that those things are evil. But I'm saying that if you are not content 
with food and raiment, it shows a vital deficiency in your life that you have not kept your attention stayed upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. And because of it, that's one reason that your faith hasn't got you all the things that you've lusted after. It's because your attention hasn't really been upon Jesus. Brother, I'm a firm believer in the fact, just like the Scripture says, that if we seek God with our whole heart, these other things shall be added upon unto us. Did you know I do not believe that prosperity is something you seek? I believe you seek God and prosperity is a byproduct of seeking God. And most people don't know that. Most people are seeking prosperity. Man, I heard about prosperity. I found out that I can be prosperous, that God will add these things unto me, that He shall supply my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So I make a firm commitment today that I'm going to get into prosperity. I'm going to seek prosperity. I'm not going to back up until I see it manifest. That sounds good, and I imagine probably most of us somewhere along the line have made a commitment similar to that. And did you know if you aren't careful, that'll move you away from Jesus. It'll move you away from being separated unto Him. And instead of spending time fellowshipping with God, we'll spend time talking to God about the prosperity you want. Did you know the purpose of prayer is not, is not to sit there and ask God for things. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong to ask because the Bible does say, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. But I'm saying that is not the real thrust of prayer. That should not be the basis of your prayer. Your asking ought to be able to sum up in a couple of words, a couple of sentences and go on. The real purpose of prayer, prayer is simply communion with God. And did you know that Adam and Eve had communion with God in the Garden of Eden and they didn't have a thing to ask for. They didn't have any clothes to ask for. Amen. They didn't have a thing to ask for. They didn't need anything. They had everything totally provided, and yet they still had communication with God. Did you know most of us, if it wasn't for the things we asked for, and if it wasn't for all the things we spent time asking for, we wouldn't have any prayer life with God. What would we talk to God about? What is there to talk to God about if you aren't going to be believing Him for something or asking Him for something or asking Him to save this person or asking Him to do something? Why talk to God? You know, a lot of us, brothers and sisters, would come up short if we weighed the time that we spend actually just loving God. God created man for his fellowship. He walked and talked with man because he loved us. God loves you. And the basis, the basic of prayer, the fundamental purpose of prayer is just simply to get to know God, to fellowship with him, to praise him. You read the Psalms and you read what David did. David spent hour after hour just praising God. You know, we sang that song today about great is our God in the mountain of His holiness, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth, great is the city of our God, greatly to be praised. That's what David did. We spent all of his time just greatly praising God, loving God, fellowshipping with Him. And brothers and sisters, we do not spend as much time doing that. If you would be honest and if you'd weigh this out, most of us spend more time believing God for something and trying to receive from God than we do giving to God. You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 13 that as the disciples fasted and prayed and ministered unto the Lord, that the Lord said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. God brought usefulness, service, ministry to Barnabas and Saul while they were ministering unto him. Most people don't know that we can minister unto God. People always come to church, Brother, I came to receive. Well, that's good, amen. There's nothing wrong with receiving. If you need something, you better receive. I'm not knocking receiving, but I'm saying, how many times have you come to church to bless God? How many times have you come to church with the attitude, Lord, I love you, and boy, this is an opportunity to join with my brothers and sisters and love you and have a collective anointing. You love praising God so much that you want to come because you want the agreement, the fellowship of other brothers and sisters, and you want to love God with all of your heart. How many times do we do that? More and more all the time, amen, but less than what we should. I'm not saying these things to condemn you. Don't anybody take what I'm saying as condemnation today. I'm saying it to open up our eyes. One reason we so fluctuate, one reason we are so moved with problems, that we are so tempted to get into depression and so up and so down is because our attention isn't on Jesus. It's on things that do fluctuate. It's on problems. It's on things instead of being upon God. 
Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If your attention is on Jesus, brothers and sisters, you know, if you wake up and the whole world had just fallen apart, if the nuclear bombs had fallen, who cares? Amen? Now, I'm not saying I'm welcoming them. I'll pray against them. But I'm saying that if I make my bed in hell, there God is with me, is what the Scripture says. If the devil somehow or another got me into hell, I'm still going to rejoice because God's with me. And he already renovated hell one time, amen. He can do it again. I get a tour of the thing, amen. I get to see all the places where Jesus kicked the devil in the head. Man, you can be positive about anything if your attention's on Jesus. Did you know that the three children that got thrown into the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know one of their statements they made when they were brought before the king? The king said, If when you hear the music you'll bow down and worship this image that I've made, then you'll be delivered. And if not, you'll be thrown into the fire. You know what they said? They said, Be it known unto you, O king, that our God who we serve is able to deliver us. They knew God had power to deliver them, but then they went on and said, But if he doesn't deliver us, I'm still not going to serve you. You know, there's a lot of faith people today that say, Brother, I believe God's able to deliver me. Amen. And then they put periods. <laughs> and because I know God's able to deliver me, I'm going to keep serving him. But you know, it's healthy to sit there and say, God, I'll serve you even if, it, if you weren't able to deliver me. If they throw me into that furnace, heat it seven times hotter than it's ever been, and if I die, I'm going to die serving you because that's, that's how strong my commitment is. Did you know when you get that committed, you'll get delivered out of the fire like they did. But if they'd have gone in there saying, I believe it, no flame shall kindle upon me. <laughs> Father, I'm believing you for deliverance. I can't say they wouldn't have gotten delivered, but I'm saying it sure wouldn't have been the proper way. God said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of his deliverance and everything else comes as a byproduct. Brothers and sisters, we ought to be prosperous, not because we believe for prosperity, but because we believe God. And because we're pleasing to him, man, God loves you so much, he's just pouring it on you. You hadn't got room enough to receive it. But you know, most of us are using all of our giving. I'm giving, boy, because if I give, God's going to give back to me. Amen. I know God gives back, amen. Give and it shall be given unto you. I'm not denying that there's a principle there, but I'm saying that the attitude, brothers and sisters, needs to be that, God, I'm giving because I love you. And if you aren't aware of the fact that he's giving back to you, it's a hindrance to you receiving. You ought to be aware of it. It's a blessing to know the principles of God, to know that you're in agreement with it, and know that you're operating in the laws of God, all right? It'll help you. But I'm saying that there's a lot of us that have gotten beyond that and have gone into the realm of God. The reason I'm giving is because I want. That's not the right motivation for giving. Amen? Now, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that he could get. Amen? It's not totally wrong. Let, let me take the example of corn. If you took a grain of corn and if you plant it in the ground, you know there's laws that you're operating with and you ought to expect a harvest off that thing. If you don't expect to harvest all that thing, either one thing, you're ignorant or something's wrong with you, all right? But you're supposed to expect a harvest off of it. There's not, I'm not saying that it's wrong to expect a harvest. But I'm saying that, brothers and sisters, many of us have forgotten that a tithe and an offering is a worship unto the Lord. Under the old covenant, they worshiped God with it, and we've left the worship part out, and it's got to be only we're operating in the principle of give, and it shall be given unto you. And because you've gotten out of the worship, you've gotten out of really putting your mind on Jesus, and all you can see is the seed, and all you're looking for is the return. That hinders your faith. Because when you're dealing with finances, Satan's able to hinder finances. I'm not saying he's able to win, but he certainly can hinder it. He can prolong things. He can affect your finances. Just because you give today, it's God's will for you to get it back tomorrow, amen, or today. That's God's will, but you may not see it come that fast because there's people involved in things. There are things that can hinder it. And brothers and sisters, during that time delay, if your attention is upon the supply rather than the supplier, you are going to enter into temptation to get discouraged, to get defeated, to back up and say, I can't wait any longer. And on and on it goes. But when you get your attention on Jesus, 
you are so committed that, you know, the devil can't tempt you with, well, you aren't going to get it. You better quit serving God because you aren't going to get it. It won't come. Did you know there's a lot of people that are susceptible to those kind of thoughts because their attention's on the supply instead of the supplier? When your attention's on God, you can sit there and say, who cares? Amen. I did what God wanted me to and I gave in love and I know I'll get it back, but devil, if I never got it, big deal, amen, I'll still keep giving. But you know, he can't move you off of the Word that way. You can't enter into temptation. Because you know, when I first got started in the ministry, there was some temptation sometimes to just throw my hands up and quit. Man, you go in and you give everything you've got. You love people. Maybe I made lots of mistakes. I probably made one mistake at least in my life. Amen. <laughs> there are times I've sat down and in pity, you know, just wanted to sit there and say, man, I quit. But you know what stopped that? Is that commitment. That I committed my life to God long before I knew that He was the giver of every good and perfect gift. I committed my life to Him good, bad, or indifferent. I don't care if it went right or wrong. And did you know that commitment has held me lots of times when my faith has wanted to quit? That commitment has stood there. And did you know because of it, I've endured some problems and some things that uh, I imagine probably nearly all ministries encounter it, but I don't you know, participate in all ministry's problems. In my eyes, they're probably some of the worst problems that ever came along. I mean, I just don't see how in the natural I could have made it. But yet the reason, it, it, it hasn't been hard on me. People say, isn't the ministry hard? Well, I can see what they're talking about. There are some of the worst attacks against the ministry of anything, but honestly, it hasn't been hard. It's been easier for me to do this than when I was out serving the devil. And the reason it hasn't been hard is because I made a total commitment and the devil can't sit there and tempt me with, well, you better quit now. Because I hadn't got plan B or plan C. Amen? I'm totally committed to God. You know, if this doesn't work, I'm going to die believing God. I couldn't go out and make a living any, any other way. I've so totally separated myself under what God called me to do. I'm a misfit. I don't think I could make it outside of what God called me to do. There isn't any backing up. I'm in over my head. Amen? So the devil doesn't tempt me with quitting. I don't ever think about quitting because it's not a choice. I haven't got that as an option. But I promise you this, you have that as an option and you'll be pushed to try it. I prayed for a lady one time that had real bad teeth problems and she was called out through a gift of the Spirit. And I prayed for her and boy, she came up, she was excited. She knew that was her. She shouted and everything. Well, anyway, the next week she came back and told us, that was on a Saturday night that that happened, she had a dental appointment made on Monday morning to go get her teeth fixed. And uh, anyway, she got prayer on Saturday night. Her teeth just kept hurting her, kept hurting her. There wasn't any visible change. Sunday, it hurt her, it hurt her. And on Monday, her, she woke up and her teeth were still hurting her. And so finally, she was on her way to the doctor's office. And right before she left, you know, she really wanted God to heal her and not to have to go to that dentist and get her teeth drilled on. And she wanted God to do it. And as she was getting ready to walk out the door, God finally said, are you going to believe the dentist or are you going to believe me? Amen. And she finally just said, I'm going to believe you. And she called the dentist up and canceled her appointment. By the time she hung the phone down, her teeth were healed. The pain was gone. Amen. Somebody says, I wonder why it happened that way. That's because she had plan B. And as long as you retain that option, Satan is going to push you to a place to where you have opportunity to act on that option. But when you make a commitment with no options, live or die, sink or swim, man, I've committed myself to God. There's no turning back. I won't change. I don't care. If I lose every penny I got, it doesn't matter. I'm committed to prosperity because I'm committed to God. And I'm committed to give. I don't care if I ever got it back. And I'm committed to believe in prosperity and that it's God's will for me to prosper. I don't care if I never saw it. When you get that committed, that's not going to hinder your prosperity. It's going to increase it because now you won't have to run through plan B and plan C and you won't have to fight the devil over those areas. I guarantee you, he'll flee. The devil's not dumb. He's, well, let me say this. The devil's not uh, ignorant. Amen. He's dumb, but he's not ignorant. The devil doesn't like a fight any better than anybody else. Where do you think being a coward comes from? That comes from the devil. God's not a coward. That's a trait of the devil. Did you know it? The only reason the devil fights you so hard is because he's got so many good opportunities to stop you. And it's to his advantage to fight a little bit 
rather than to lose the war. But did you know what? When he sees that you got no shadow of turning, that there is no alternative, that you are going to stand until all hell freezes over if you have to, I guarantee you the devil will be the first one to pack up and leave. <laughs> You'll find out that, man, your faith will begin to work in a hurry. One reason we get fought so much is because we have so many opportunities for the devil to fight us. We're going to believe God for the next 30 minutes, and if it doesn't work, then we'll go to the Anison. Amen or oh me? Am I against Anison? I'm not against Anison. If you want to take Anison, take Anison. But if you want to believe God, believe God. And I guarantee you, brothers and sisters, our children are good examples because we've been bringing them up in the Word and did you know they don't know any alternatives? And so they aren't tempted to think in any other realm. Your faith has to be directed. And if your faith is wavering between which direction am I going, what am I going to put my faith in, then you aren't going to find it to be effective. But brothers and sisters, when you only have one option, you can totally abandon yourself to it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, see, had no other option. They were totally committed to God. They weren't wavering about, is there some other way I can get out of this? They knew, man, God was going to have to do it or it wouldn't get done. They had their minds stayed upon God. And Satan is used things that are good, things that I believe in, things that I preach for. It's part of the gospel. But Satan many times gets our attention diverted off of Jesus onto these things. And they've actually become a hindrance to us. There's a lot of us that spend more time praying over things than we do, fellowshipping with God and worshiping God, and we've hindered ourselves by doing it. Nothing can, enter, nothing can stand in between you and God. Nothing. I don't care if it's healing or prosperity or nothing. You can't let anything come in between you and God. You have to make a commitment to Him first and foremost above everything else. And when you do, you'll find out that, brothers and sisters, it all works better. That's what Matthew chapter 6 is saying, that if you'll seek first the, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that all of these things will be added unto you. It's God's responsibility to Adam. It's God's responsibility to Adam. Prosperity is a byproduct, not a means that you try and obtain unto And we've got to get to where our attention is upon God, not upon what He produces. And if you'll do that, you'll find out that, man, you won't be up and down. Who cares what the economy does? God's not up and down. A person that's up and down, you're showing yourself. It ought to be a warning sign to you that you are not meditating upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Out of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the Scripture says, Wherefore, seeing we also... Are, what's that word? Compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And it tells you how to do it by looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's the way that your faith's going to become effective is by looking unto Him. Not looking unto what He produces, but looking unto Him. There is not faith in prosperity. There is temptation and many foolish and hurtful lusts that, brothers and sisters, you've got to be aware of. Money's not evil, but the love of money is. And with money, there is a temptation to love it and love what it'll produce. The joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne on high. And it says in verse 3, Consider him... The word consider means to take into account, to think upon, to rely upon, to ponder, to examine... In other words, it's talking about focusing your attention on Him. Consider Him who endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye also be wearied and faint in your mind. You know what the direct result of not considering Jesus, not focusing your attention upon Jesus, not meditating upon Jesus, not examining, pondering Jesus is? The direct result is being weary and fainting in your mind. Any of you ever feel weary in your Christian life? You ever feel like, man, the excitement's gone out of it and you're just weary? You didn't consider Jesus. You may have known about Jesus if somebody had asked you, well, aren't you 
seeking God, oh yes, brother, I believe in God. And you know, you may know the right things to say, but what's your mind really spent thinking on? You may say, oh yes, I know that He's my El Shaddai and that He supplies all of my needs. You may know that with your head, but what have you been thinking? You've been sitting there thinking, how am I ever going to get over these bills? And with your imagination, you see yourself failing and you see them knocking on your door and you see them calling you and you see yourself making excuses. Some of you have already got your excuses made up before the date comes. How can that happen? Because you've already sat down and seen yourself fail and planned the whole thing out. You may know that by his stripes you're healed, but you see yourself dying. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you are weary, it's because maybe you know the right things, but you haven't been staying your mind upon what you know. Instead, you've been staying your mind upon what you want instead of the one you want to get it for you. If your mind isn't stayed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, you'll become weary and you'll feel like fainting. You'll feel like quitting. Anytime you ever feel like quitting, it's because you've gotten your attention off of Jesus. And it doesn't have to be in sin. The reason I like to minister like this is because, you know, a lot of us have thought, Brother, I've, you know, turned my life over to God and I'm not going to live a life of sin anymore. I'm not going to go to the honky-tonks anymore. I'm not going to drink, dip, or cuss, or chew, or go those that do, praise God. <laughs> I'm going to serve God when I'm that good. But, you know, that's all the concept some people have of serving God is quitting sin. The Bible says right there in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, that scripture I quoted just a minute ago, it says, Lay aside every weight and the sin. Did you know there's things that you can't classify as sin, but they'll destroy you? And a lot of people haven't realized this. A lot of people will sit there and worry, worry, worry constantly, or think about their problem, or operate in self-pity, and on and on it goes, not realizing that that will still distract your attention from Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Your faith won't produce. You won't get anything. You don't have to just go live in sin to keep from receiving. You can live in yourself. You can live in the natural realm. You can do things that are good and totally miss out on the blessings of God. I can get so caught up in this ministry and trying to make this ministry prosper and trying to make this ministry succeed that I don't have any time for God. Brothers and sisters, if I was to do that, I guarantee you we'd go down the tube just as fast as somebody that was out living in sin. Because Satan has desired to have us, and the only way we're going to stand is if we keep our attention stayed upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You can't divert yourself. I don't care how good it looks, how natural it is. We've got to keep our attention on Jesus. And I honestly feel that this is a special word that God gave to this body of believers today. That there are some of you that have taken the things that have been taught and you've misapplied it in your life. You've got so excited about the thing that's coming that you forgot to say thank you to the one that gives it. You ever seen a little kid at Christmas that gets so excited about presents that he forgets that those presents come from somebody and that they are an expression of love? And man, all they want is the present. They take the present and run off and don't even say thank you. Don't even take it as an, as an opportunity of showing love. They don't look at it that way. They just look at it, look what I got. You know, that makes the person that gives it, it, it hurts when you see people that don't appreciate you. All they appreciate is what you can give. That does not foster a good relationship. And as you know, we are some of the most unthankful people that ever were because of this very thing, that in America... We have been programmed with lust for things. You know, we're the only nation that has ever lived in history, the only nation that lived a lifestyle the way that we do. Now, I'm not... The reason we are so blessed is because we have trusted God to a degree. We have blessed the people that God has blessed, and God has blessed America, and prosperity is not bad, it's good. I'm not saying that what we've got is bad. Praise God for it. I've been all around the world a number of times, and I guarantee you I am not against America. It's the best thing going. Amen. It may have fault, but it's the best thing going. All these people that are knocking it, they ought to send them to Vietnam for a while. Amen. They ought to send them to Russia and let them stay there if they don't like America. I like it. I praise God for the prosperity. It's the blessings of God coming upon us. But did you know we are the only 
generation that has ever lived a lifestyle the way we do. Things that you take for granted that we cannot do without. I mean, they are necessities. Washing machines and dryers and dishwashers. You can't live without that kind of stuff. But you know, there's never been another generation in the world ever, and most of the world today still doesn't know that as a standard. The things that you are ready to quit serving God for, 99% of people that have ever lived and breathed didn't even know that that was an option. It never was a temptation to them to quit serving God because they didn't have a new washing machine or a new refrigerator. You know that 99% of the people that have ever lived on the face of the earth never thought about rejecting God because they didn't have a brand new car to drive. Now, am I saying that cars are wrong? I got a brand new car parked out here. Just got my license plate on it yesterday, amen. I don't think it's evil. I praise God for it. But brothers and sisters, that's not what I serve God for. If I was driving an old junker, if I was having to walk, I'd still serve him. Amen. And that's not a temptation. You can have things as long as things don't have you. But brothers and sisters, there's a lot of us that have misapplied our faith. And the reason we're so up and down, the reason we're weary and feel like fainting is because we've got our mind on religious things on good things, but not on the author of all of the good things. And I guarantee you, you're going to be tempted to sin. You're going to be tempted to get discouraged when the slightest little thing keeps you from receiving from God the way you'd like to. The best way is to make a commitment that, God, I'm committed to what your word says I'm going to give because I know that giving is a part of it and I know that you desire for me to prosper so I'm going to take this seed and I will receive a hundredfold return praise God for it but make a commitment that if it never works who cares I'm going to do it because it is my rightful service I'm going to do it because Father you deserve it I'm going to do it because I love you I'm going to give it out of love I don't care if you ever gave me another thing back and when you get a commitment like that I guarantee you Satan is going to lose 90% of his temptation against you you aren't going to be tempted to get into discouragement. If you keep your joy up and if you keep your praise up, I guarantee you your faith's going to be so much more effective that you'll receive more things than you could have ever had. Nations will have to come to you and tell you to leave because they can't, the land can't bear both of you. You're going to start your own nation. You're stronger than we are. Amen? But it says these blessings of God will come upon you. You know, in Deuteronomy 28, it says that these blessings are commanded upon us, that they shall come upon us and overtake us. I don't see most people having the blessings overtake them. Most people are trying to overtake the blessings. Most people are running after the blessings. God, I came here seeking a blessing. You ought to come here seeking God, and I guarantee you, you get God, you've got all the blessings, you've got everything. He'll command them upon you, and they'll overtake you. You just take off running in the direction God wants you to do and tell the blessings they're going to have to catch up with you because, man, you aren't going to miss a step. Amen. You're going to take off with God. Hallelujah. We need to start spending our intercessory time, Major's talking about, praying to God, loving Him, worship Him, tearing down strongholds and praying for souls and something that's important instead of praying over your cars and over your dishwashers. Wow, brother, I need a dishwasher. Well, if you need it, go to praying for souls. Go to reminding the devil, seeking first the kingdom of God, and that dishwasher will come to you faster than you ever would get it by praying for the dishwasher. Put all of your energies into the gospel instead of into finances. Amen? Oh, that's tight, but that's right. Amen? It'll bless you. And there's some of you that have been pierced through with many foolish and hurtful lusts that drown men in perdition. Some of you are being drowned because your attention is upon things. Some of you are being drowned because your attention is on what God produces rather than on God. And it's not going to change. I don't care how much faith scripture you use until you get your faith pointed in the right direction and in the right person. That faith's only going to work as it's in Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm a prosperity preacher, but I believe in doing it God's way. Seeking first the kingdom of God, and then let's have prosperity. Let's do it in God's order. And that way, it'll be a joy. Everything you get from God, rather than something, man, I got this, I believe for this, I went out and I laid hold of God and didn't let go until I got it. 
instead of you getting all the credit for it, you'll have to say, oh, praise God. Man, I didn't even ask for this. God's just blessing me with things exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think because that power has started working in you towards Jesus. And you'll, you'll fall in love with God. Every time he gives you something, you'll just be thinking, God, you sure love me. I didn't even ask for this. You're just giving me everything, richly, all things to enjoy. God will get glorified when he gets it that way instead of you getting glorified, instead of you being able to put somebody else down because look at the car I believed in. Amen? I didn't believe it in. I believed God and God just gave it to me. Amen? Isn't that good? I like that. Praise God. Look, I'm going to preach on this sometime. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, there's a freedom in here. Do you know it? I believe some of you just gotten loose, loosened up. You know, there's a freedom. It doesn't put pressure on you. Some of us have felt like, man, we're failing God if we don't believe these things in. And some of us, we feel like we've got a lot of pressure on us to do these things. Brothers and sisters, your one commission is to be a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable unto Him. That's your business. You are not a flop if you commit yourself totally to God. If you do that, other things will come. But those other things aren't a standard of prosperity. The person who's prosperous is the person who's committed themselves to God, whether they've seen the prosperity come or not. And that's God's call on your life. That's God's will for your life. And if you'll do that, you'll succeed. And you'll be prosperous. And you'll be able to give every bit of the credit and the glory to God for it. Amen? Because it was totally Him. All you did was let it work in you. You just received. You didn't earn it. Praise God. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs 80934 Until next time we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.